Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Hey, learn about upcoming events, our podcast, daily devotional, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about the importance of living a disciplined life. Now, Paul says, I on my part, verse 3, though absent in body but present in spirit, Paul is not there physically, have already judged him who has committed this as though I were present. Now, some people pause here and say, wait a minute, Paul. Jesus said in Matthew 7, judge not lest you be judged. Now, all unbelievers know that verse, right? I know there's one verse in your book that says, don't judge me, man. Don't, don't judge me, right? And that's usually spoken to deflect light away from me. If I can quote a Bible verse and you're speaking into my life, if I can quote that, then it puts up my deflector shield. All right, I'm good now, right? No, not necessarily. Because what Jesus is condemning is hypocritical judgment. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's not saying not to judge. He's saying just don't judge hypocritically. If you can see clearly the speck in your brother's eye, how many of you ever had something in your eye? And if you wear contact lenses, it's even worse. And there's nothing you can do until that thing's removed. Amen? <laughs> Get it. You have to say to your wife, get it out of my, where is it? Right? Look, a little speck is enough to throw off our whole life. Jesus is not saying don't judge. He's just saying, look, just first make sure your life is at a place where you can see clearly. And so here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, as though I were present in the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, when you are in the sphere of a corporate meeting is the idea. And I with you in spirit because of our connection to the Lord Jesus. With the power of our Lord Jesus or his authority. And of course we can anchor this in Matthew 18. I have decided, says Paul, founder and apostle, so he has the authority. To deliver or to give into the hands or power of such a one, this man, to Satan. You ready for a doozy? Put your seatbelt on. For the destruction of his flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. That day there is probably the day of the Lord. I've decided to hand him over to Satan. And all God's people said, ouch, what? Well, in biblical thinking, you have two spheres of life. You have the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of darkness. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan's called the God of this world, small g, or the God of this age. To hand someone over to Satan is to say something like this. If this man won't repent, if he won't stop, if he won't stop doing something that even Gentile unbelievers look down on, if he digs his heels in, if he won't repent of it, if he won't listen to reason, then let him go back into the sphere of the God of this age. Give him over, Romans 1, 
to his sin. Be like, if I could use a story from Jesus, the prodigal's father who says, okay, if that's what you want, then go. And when a person is given over to that sphere which they seem to be so enraptured with, I want to be doing what the world, I want to satisfy my flesh, I'm not going to listen to the Bible, I'm not going to listen to reason, then at some point, if they won't listen, you let them go into the sphere of Satan, if you will, so that they can get the full ramifications of their sin. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, it does say that sexual immorality is unlike any other sin because it's a sin against our own body. Somebody's put it this way, you can never sleep with someone and park your soul outside. Whenever you have an intimate exchange with someone on that level, it is a soul exchange. It is something that will leave a mark on your soul. And this is the culture we live in right now. And I want to park and pause here to say, look, we've all probably come from some form of sexual brokenness. That's not necessarily the forefront of the issue here. The forefront is the church's lack of seeing that something needed to be done about it. The only other place we find this, I want to show it to you, is in 1 Timothy 1. It's to your right, 1 Timothy 1. Let me show it to you because I, I believe that what you'll see here is something that's remedial, that is, there's a teaching purpose behind this. This is uh, 1 Timothy 1. Look at verse uh, 20. 1 Corinthians 1.20. Uh, these gentlemen, if I can put it that way, are shipwrecking people's faith. 1 Timothy 1.20. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom Paul says, I've delivered over to Satan... Only other place we see this, so that they may be taught what? Not to blaspheme. Notice it says that they may be taught something. It's remedial. Uh, back to 1 Corinthians 5 and we'll finish. When the prodigal's father let him go, what do you think his hope was? That he would go off to the big city and the bright lights and he would realize that sin and all that it promises is not all that it's chalked up to be. How many of you have discovered that? How many of you, even after becoming a Christian, tried to go back to your old life only to find an emptiness, a brokenness? Uh, you know, I, I could go on, but I think we all realize. And so by doing nothing, basically the church was showing that they didn't really care about the guy. They, they were too concerned about themselves to confront him. And so I'm going to give him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. What does that mean? Two major possibilities. One, the destruction of his flesh means as he goes out and engrosses in this sin and gives himself fully to it, he will realize in the consequences that he reaps that his sinful nature will be confronted as he as he gives into it more and more if he's a genuine believer he'll be confronted with guilt and somehow he'll decide maybe in giving into it that he'll crucify his flesh he'll he'll let it die he'll stop doing it by giving himself fully over to it that's a possibility the second idea is the destruction of his flesh could even be death where he goes so far with his sin that he invites 
the disciplinary, disciplinary hand of God even in death. That is a, a view that some people hold. Uh, you remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They lied about what they gave, Acts chapter 5, or what they didn't give, and God dealt with them. I'm glad that God's not still doing that today because there might be a lot of dead people in church. <laughs> but there it is. We can remember that there are times when Satan in the Bible becomes a tool in God's hand to deal out discipline. We can think of Saul in the book of 1 Samuel. We can think of the story of Job where Satan's allowed to get at Job. Now, Job didn't do anything wrong, but it's at least an example where Satan can't touch his life, but he could deal out a bunch of garbage to him. And maybe what Paul is saying is that this guy is going to leave the protective boundary of the church. He's going to leave the sphere of the redeemed, and Satan's going to be able to get at him because now God will remove the hedge, if you will. Now, we're going to finish up with some Passover imagery. Let me place this in your mind. It's kind of like this. In the Passover, the people that were behind the door painted with the blood were safe from the death angel, right? The Lord passed over and he said, if I see the blood, I will not judge the firstborn in that household. Well, when that man leaves the door of the church, if you will, he leaves the covering of the blood, in this case, the blood of Jesus. He says, I don't want God. I don't want God's ways. I'm going to go off into the sphere of Satan. And in the sphere of Satan, you no longer have the armor of God, the protection of God. If God removes the hedge, and don't take that lightly, because I think that there's a lot of things that don't happen to us that God protects us from because we are his people. Amen? If you go outside of the blood, if you will, into the sphere of Satan, God may just say, okay, have Adam, because I'd rather have him deal with severe consequences and come back to me than to die in his sin. And so that's what I think is going on. The prodigal's father let him go, hopeful that he would return. And indeed he did. In the pig pen, in the mud, longing to eat what pigs ate. And he said, ah, he came to his senses. Verse 6. 1 Corinthians 5. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? We might say it, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Now, leaven here is the idea of evil or sin, but uh, it consisted, leaven did, of keeping back a little portion of last week's dough, allowing it to ferment, then adding it to this week's dough, which in turn was thoroughly fer fermented to give it, it its lightness. Uh, this is how they make sourdough bread. I personally love sourdough bread. Any, anybody else out there? But the idea is, is that if a little bit goes into the next batch, it will permeate the whole. We said on Sunday night, if you give sin an inch, it will become the ruler. And so here's what happens. Imagine new believers coming to the Corinthian church and hearing about this leader and going, oh, oh, that's what he's doing? Well, then it shouldn't be a problem to do what I'm doing. Oh, that's what's going on in the church? Well, if that's the case, then it shouldn't be a problem if I do this or that. And so the whole thing had this potential impact of spreading Think of gossip. We say gossip spreads.
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? We might say it, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Now, leaven here is the idea of evil or sin, but uh, it consisted, leaven did, of keeping back a little portion of last week's dough, allowing it to ferment, then adding it to this week's dough, which in turn was thoroughly fermented to give it it, its lightness. Uh, This is how they make sourdough bread. I personally love sourdough bread. Anybody else out there? But the idea is, is that if a little bit goes into the next batch, it will permeate the whole. We said on Sunday night, if you give sin an inch, it will become the ruler. And so here's what happens. Imagine new believers coming to the Corinthian church and hearing about this leader and going, oh, oh, that's what he's doing? Well, then it shouldn't be a problem to do what I'm doing. Oh, that's what's going on in the church? Well, if that's the case, then it shouldn't be a problem if I do this or that. And so the whole thing had this potential impact of spreading. Think of gossip. We say gossip spreads. Well, this is the idea here. A little leaven can work through the whole lump of dough. It doesn't take much. So what should we do, Paul? He says, clean out the old leaven. He's using now Passover imagery that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. Look, you're unleavened. You, you don't have, uh, you're, you're not seen by the Father as being tainted with sin because the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life. You're unleavened in the eyes of heaven because of the work of Jesus Christ. For Christ, our Passover also has been sacrificed. Here's essentially what this is. Be what you are. Be what you are. You're part of the community of the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen? Amen. Clean out the old leaven. Now, when the Passover was coming in the spring, they would actually kind of turn this into a game and they would, they would look into the corners of the house, they'd take a feather, and anywhere where there was a piece of bagel or a Twinkie or <laughs> whatever. Well, we were talking about Twinkies earlier. It was on my mind. Anyway, wherever... They would take it and they would sweep out the old leaven to prepare themselves for the Passover. This is from Exodus chapter 12. And there are times in our lives when we just have to take a hard look and we need to clean out the old leaven. We need to sweep the house. We need to get into the corners. We need to open that closet that we haven't opened in a decade when a bunch of stuff falls out on you. (laughs) And say, Lord, I do want to have a life that's clean before you. I do want to be in practice what I am in position. And finally, let us therefore celebrate the feast. Let's celebrate our Christian life. Maybe the feast here is 
Communion could even be the feast of Passover. Let us celebrate the feast not with old leaven. Let's not go back to the old ways, says Paul, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but let's celebrate the feast with the unleavened bread without the junk of what? Sincerity, pure motives, and truth, which could be purity of action. How much of your life has changed since you became a Christian? I'd say everything. <laughs> and I want my motives to be pure and my actions to measure up with my motives. And if you're like me, I struggle with that all the time. I struggle with crucifying the flesh, keeping the old ways down, not buying into the world's lies. It can look very attractive to the flesh. It can be hard to deal with. We can have people around us who are saying, oh, you know, you're taking that a little too far. We can hear the excuses and justifications. But in the end, I think we all realize, those of us who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that his ways are right, and his ways are good, and his ways are pure, and he's not trying to ruin your fun. He just wants you to enjoy life, to celebrate life in the right ways. He knows what's best for you and for me. Amen? He knows what's best. And if we just will align our lives to him, we'll find that abundant life. Father, thank you so much. For your word, this is, a, this is a difficult text, but it is needful and it is profitable. And Lord, when you discipline, it's because you're the good shepherd. Sometimes you have to grab us with that staff. Sometimes you have to throw the rod near a rock that we are, we're heading in the wrong direction. And it's a wake-up call. And we're so grateful for those wake-up calls because it means that our shepherd is watching over us that he cares about us, that he loves us. He is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Thank you that I'm unleavened. I am righteous in your sight, not because I am perfect, but because Jesus, the perfect one, shed his blood. The Passover lamb, the ultimate fulfillment of that, shed his blood, took my punishment, was treated on the cross as though he had committed my sin, though he was completely innocent. Thank you for that, Lord. Help us all to be, to live out what we are. We all fall short. We, we know that we're never going to arrive this side of heaven, but we know that you want us to be a holy, consecrated people. You want us to have a message to this world that there's hope, that there's redemption. And it's interesting, Paul doesn't say that we're to wag our finger at the unsaved world. He says we're to do house cleaning inside the church. And that's where we hesitate and we pause, Lord, and it's difficult to practice, but it's profitable and will keep us all where we need to be. Thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I pray that we would hear your voice, not the voice of a man, but the voice of the one who breathed out scripture, that our, the, the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together would be pleasing to you, Lord. Any leaven that we need to clean out as we prepare to give thanks with our families on Thanksgiving, any leaven that needs to go that is hurting us or others or hurting our witness. Paul may be even thinking of the Bema seat 
then that, that that man on that day would not be ashamed before the Lord. Paul couldn't make the final judgment, you will. Whether the man was a Christian or not, we cannot say. But what he was doing needed to be dealt with. And thank you that you're such a merciful God. Thank you that over and over again when you've disciplined us, it's because you wanted to bring us back to a place of healthiness and a place of walking with you in strength and making a difference. Would you keep your head and heart bowed? If you've not met Jesus or maybe you've been that prodigal, maybe you were involved in something that's having consequences in your life or the life of your family. Maybe you've never experienced what it means to be saved. You've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Keep your head and heart bowed, and it's just something like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Pray it if it's you. Thank you that you died on that cross and took my punishment and my shame. Thank you that you were treated on that cross as though you were guilty, though innocent. Thank you that you were bearing in your body my punishment, taking the wrath for me. I believe in you. I believe in your death on the cross and your resurrection. Make me a new creation in Christ. Make me what you've called me to be. If you're a person who's been a prodigal and maybe you're trying to get back to that place of a healthy walk with Jesus and maybe you felt the rod, maybe discipline is a, the best word to describe what you've been through. But God's been prodding you. He's been poking at you. He's been trying to pull you back home. A prayer of rededication would be really appropriate. Something like, Lord, I just want to come back home. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for what it's created. I'm sorry for the way that it's hurt you and hurt others. Please forgive me. Cleanse me. I need a new start. May this day mark that new start for you. He loves you. And Father, for this wonderful congregation, hungry for your word and hungry to make an impact in this culture, I thank you for them. I, I was looking at what happened in Mexico and thinking about all the ministry that this church does. It's just amazing. The impact that they're having on this culture. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us continue to stay in the crosswalk, walking with you, Lord, experiencing the joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, amen. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and this was the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 called The Shepherd's Discipline. You know, we could use your partnership with our mission to equip people with God's truth. We do this program to encourage you to share the truth you learn with the people that God puts in your life. Please share whatever you learned today with at least one person. And please partner with us in prayer. Please pray for Walk in Truth. Our mission is to do more apologetics events in 2020 and to expand the program to broadcast on more radio stations. Would you pray for the Lord's favor over our mission? Thank you so much for doing that. And if you have any prayer needs, please let us know so Pastor Michael or one of our assistant pastors can pray for that need. Email us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. You can find our mailing address on our website, walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, this has definitely been a hard chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, but a necessary chapter, and wouldn't you say a very contemporary and relevant chapter? I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? 
dealing with stuff like this can be very ugly and it can be often misunderstood. But we do know that Paul said, hey, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. That's the concern is that sin will spread and that it will hurt many, many people. That's why sin has to be dealt with in our personal lives and even in the church decisively. Yes, graciously, but we need to deal with it lest it spread and the enemy use it to defile many, many people. This has obviously been a tough one on the shepherd's discipline, but you can see why uh, God wants to protect his people and why he wants us personally to stay away from sin so it doesn't destroy us and ruin uh, everything that's important to us in our lives. And I want to take a moment just to say if you've made a mistake and you fell, and uh, maybe you felt like the Lord's been disciplining you, you know, the best thing you can do is just repent of that sin, make your amends as you can, and get back to God and get back to God's people. And so we pray for anyone who may be in that situation that the Lord will lead you back. If you've been under his heavy hand, thank God, because that means he does love you and he's not giving up on you. So keep that in mind, praying for the Lord's wisdom for those of you who are listening and in that situation. Tune in tomorrow for another study in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 by Pastor Michael. But this one might be a tough message to hear. It's about what goes on in the church and who should be in it. It's a study you should listen to. There'll be answers about being in the world, but not of it. And it's a lesson society today doesn't like. But we still have to address these issues, and Pastor Michael does address them with love. So tune in tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching called Spring Cleaning. Hey, I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth today. As always, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.